Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. Prayer has to be a priority, okay? It's not our last ditch effort. It's not the last, you know, I've tried everything. I've exhausted all this stuff. And well, I guess I should probably pray. No, that should have been number one. Should have been number one. I wish I learned this lesson. I mean, I heard this thousands of times in all the 20 years of walking with Jesus. People have told me countless times, hey, pray first, pray first. And I'm like, gotcha, you got. And then I exhaust myself trying to figure everything out. And I'm like, you know what? I should probably just pray. And the Lord's like, I've been waiting for you. Prayer doesn't have to be as complicated as we make it out to be in our minds. A daily prayer life is simple as talking. A daily prayer life is as simple as talking to God and listening to what He has for you as well. It's even better when there's no distractions. After all, communication is the key to any healthy relationship. Jesus was hinting at something greater when he said, seek the kingdom of God first. Pastor James shares his same struggle with making sure to keep prayer first when life can get so hectic. Today, what would it look like in your life if prayer was a priority? Now here's Pastor James in the book of Mark chapter 6 for today's edition of Bread for the Broken. Mark chapter 6. Let's read through this story, and then we're going to go walk through it, okay? I'm going to read from the New Living Translation this morning. Verse 45 of chapter 6, it says this. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and head across the lake to Bethsaida, while he sent the people home. After telling everybody goodbye, he went up on the hills by himself to pray. Late that night, the disciples were in their boat in the middle of the lake, and Jesus was alone on land. He saw that they were in serious trouble, rowing hard and struggling against the wind and waves about three o'clock in the morning. Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. He intended to go past them. That's funny. But when they saw him walking on the water, they cried out in terror, thinking he was a ghost. They were all terrified when they saw him, but Jesus spoke to them at once. Do not be afraid, he said. Take courage, I am here. Then he climbed into the boat and the wind stopped, and they were totally amazed. For they still didn't understand the significance of the miracle of the loaves. Their hearts were too hard to take it in. After they crossed the lake, they landed in Gennesaret. They brought the boat to shore and climbed out, and people recognized Jesus at once, and they ran throughout the whole area, carrying sick people on mats to wherever they heard he was. Wherever he went, in villages, cities, or the countryside, they brought the sick out to the marketplaces. They begged him to let the sick touch the fringe of his robe. So here's the story. We know this story, right? Walks on water, all this good stuff. Some details in Mark that's not included, that is included in the other Gospels. Here's the beautiful thing about this. Jesus sends his disciples across the lake into a storm. Into a storm, all right? Sometimes when you're doing good things, sometimes when you're following the Lord, you end up in a storm. We always assume that the storms happen because of bad things. I'm not doing something right, the storm comes. That's not always true. In this story, they were being totally obedient to Jesus, storm came, Jesus rescued, 
And he proved in this story, he's going to prove to us today, he is with us. The great I am is with us, Emmanuel. So let me pray, and we're going to get right into this and break down these verses. Father, we thank you so much for your love for us. We thank you for the time that we've had this week. Hopefully we've had a good overlaps with friends and family members, Lord, and I pray that our hearts are just appreciative of everything that, that we have. And more specifically, Lord, you, Lord, that all our joy and all our um, longing is just found in you and can be satisfied in you. And so we thank you for that. I also thank you for the fact that, Lord, that you are Emmanuel and you are God with us. And so I pray that we wouldn't forget that. And I pray that in the midst of storms that we may find ourselves in, that we would be reminded that the one who cares the most for us is actually right there with us. So we thank you for that, Lord. And we just pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So context-wise, we just talked about in the previous verses, the breaking of the bread and the fish, right? The feeding of the 5,000. That was the story that happens, preceded this one right away. And so we're talking about that, how Jesus and his disciples, he'd sent them out into all the various villages, all the villages, and they were proclaiming his word. They had the ability to heal people. They had the ability to cast out demons. And so they went two by two in the surrounding villages to do that. And then they come back. And as they come back, Jesus had just gotten word that John the Baptist, his cousin, had just died, was murdered, okay? And so Jesus tells his disciples, hey, let's get away so we can rest. And as they are trying to get away to rest, the crowd runs around the lake and meets him at the other side. And then that's when you have this huge, massive group. It's 5,000 men, which probably is, we talked about this, it's like, anywhere from 10 to upwards of maybe 15,000 people total, because they weren't counting the women and they weren't counting the children, right? Which we know that both were a part of that group. We know that kids were there because it was the little boy who gave up his lunch so that Jesus could feed all these people. He had the bread and he had the, the fish. And so as the crowd amasses and Jesus' disciples are kind of like, this isn't what we want. You said we can go and rest. We're tired. We've been ministering all day, Jesus. And he's like, well, they're sheep. They have no shepherds, so let's get to work. The rest will come. The rest will come. I think that's a good word for you and I today, if, especially if you're serving the Lord Jesus. The rest may not come when you want it to come, but the rest will come. The rest for your soul will show up. It will come. The Lord is faithful. And he will honor his word. And rest was going to come for these disciples. But the crowd, they needed sustenance. And so Jesus talked to the crowd. He teaches to the crowd pretty much all day long. The disciples came to him and said, hey, Jesus, get rid of these people. Get rid of the people. It's dark. They need to go home so they can eat, so we can get that rest thing you told us about, right? You need to get rid of these people. And Jesus says, well, no. How about you take care of the people? And that's where we talked about people are either a problem or they're an opportunity. And Jesus saw them as an opportunity. He had an opportunity to not just to teach them the word, but to display the glory of God. The disciples, who were just on a mini mission trip, saw the people as a problem. And they're like, Jesus, get rid of the people. Right? And they start bossing Jesus around. You don't boss Jesus around, okay? Lesson number one in Christianity, 
you don't boss Jesus around. Jesus bosses you around, and you say, yes, sir. That's it. That's it. In our heart of hearts, we know sometimes we say, I don't want to. And that's fine. You and him can wrestle through that, right? Hopefully, ultimately, you just surrender because he's the king. But they tell him, get rid of these people. Jesus is like, no, 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 no. Go find some food. Let's feed them. And then he breaks the bread, breaks the fish, multiplies it. And they have 12 baskets full of fragments left over, right? That story literally just happened. And then this is where verse 45 picks up. It says, immediately, that's one of Mark's favorite words to use, his favorite terms to use in the gospel. Immediately. Immediately after the disciples picked up the 12 baskets and went through the crowd and picked up all the leftovers, immediately Jesus says, all right, guys, I want you to get in the boat and go to the other side. Okay, that's verse 45. That's where it says, immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and head across the lake to Bethsaida while he sent the people home, okay? So he had to, like, force the disciples to get back into the boat. It's a funny thing that happens there. We don't know why they were so unwilling to get into the boat, maybe because he wasn't getting in the boat with them. They've had some experiences on the sea concerning, you know, having Jesus with them, and then now they're going to have one with not having him in the boat. Although the last time they were on the sea and he was actually with them in the boat, and sleeping, and the storm came, they all freaked out and thought they were going to die, right? And he had to, you know, teach them a little lesson then. So he forcibly kind of puts them in the boat and says, no, 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 I'm going to push you offshore. I'm going to, you go, go away. I'll take care of the people. And he dismisses the crowd while the disciples start rowing. So you can envision this in your head in that Sea of Galilee, beautiful little region in Israel. The disciples start rowing this way, and Jesus heads back this way to dismiss the crowd and to send the people away. But he also, he doesn't want to just dismiss the crowd. He himself is going to go and pray. And here's a a really good practical lesson for you and I. If you serve the Lord in any form or fashion, and please remove from your brain the idea that only serving God happens in this building, because that's not true. A small part of serving God happens in this building. A larger percent of serving God happens outside of this building. So wherever you work, whatever you do, you could be serving God with that. Okay, so embrace that. If he's called you, you have a career in this or that, well, Just embrace that. Use that to bring glory to God. And then you are serving God. It's as simple as that. You don't have to go to Bible college. You don't have to be ordained. You don't need any of that stuff. You serve God where you're at with what you have. That's it. Simple as that. However, in serving the Lord, there has to come times where you just get away to pray. Prayer has to be priority. Okay, It's not our last-ditch effort It's not the last, you know, I've tried everything, I've exhausted all this stuff, and well, I guess I should probably pray. No, that should have been number one. Should have been number one. I wish I had learned this lesson. I mean, I heard this thousands of times in all the 20 years of walking with Jesus. People have told me countless times, hey, pray first, pray first. And I'm like, gotcha, you got, and then I exhaust myself trying to figure everything out. And I'm like, you know what, I should probably just pray. And the Lord's like, I've been waiting for you. Yeah, I got a simple solution for that problem. All you needed to do was just sit down with me and hang out with me. So Jesus himself is going to dismiss the crowds. And it says, verse 46, after telling everybody goodbye, what a shepherd. 
What a shepherd. What a guy. Jesus, crowd, 5,000 plus people, kicks the disciples out. He's like, you guys get in the boat, go across the sea. Because he knows they still don't even get it. The fish and the loaves, they watched him multiply this little bitty Lunchable that this boy gave to feed thousands of people, and they still don't even get it. Jesus is like, all right, you guys get in the boat. Just go away. Just go away. Because there's still sheep without a shepherd, and Jesus comes along by himself, tells everybody goodbye. There's just something sweet about that little verse, that little sentence there. Jesus tells the crowd, adios. Hey, it's been real. It's been fun, guys. I know most of you are here for the wrong reason, but I want to tell you goodbye. I'm going to wish you blessings on your journey back home. That's what he does for these people. And then it says he went up into the hills by himself to pray. The disciples were tired. They were exhausted. They went out two by two into the surrounding villages, served the Lord all day. And then they had to, man, then they had to pick up scraps afterwards. They were absolutely exhausted. Jesus was doing all that too. He was doing all that too. And before you throw out the argument of like, yeah, but he's also God. Yeah, he's also 100% man. And he was serving his father as much as the disciples were serving the father as well. And he made a point. He's like, you know what I need to do before anything? I just need to go and pray. How do we get recharged? How do we reset? It's by sitting at his feet and just spending some good amount of time just praying. Just pray. You don't have to make this a rule. You don't have to make this a law to live by, so to speak. You and I should be praying each and every day. Jesus himself said, when you pray, there's a handful of things that he threw out there, assuming that we would be doing as followers of his. When you pray, okay, that's not like if you pray, it's when you pray. Pray like this. When you give, not just, it's not a random thing. It's like, no, this is part of our worship. When you give, give like this. When you fast, that's a strange one in America, right? Fasting, we should do that more often. That should be a part of our religious practice, so to speak. Even better than that, it should be a part of our worship. When you fast, fast like this. I love it when Jesus threw that out there to his followers because he contrasted it with the religious people of the day. Hey, don't pray like those guys. Pray like this. Hey, don't give like those guys give like this. Hey, don't fast like those guys. Fast like this. When you do these things, here's how I want you to do them. Jesus is the good shepherd. He's the good shepherd. Your life is in good hands with the good shepherd because he's not only going to tell you like what to do, but he's going to explain to you how to do it. It's beautiful, simple. Here Jesus goes up to the hillside to pray. So you can picture this. There are some hills along the Sea of Galilee. They give you a great vantage point over this lake up there. And he positions himself where he can have eyes on his disciples the entire journey. And he knows they're not going to make it. That's the beauty of it as well, right? This is a maddening thing for us sometimes. It's like Jesus will ask us to go and to do something, and he's fully aware that we're about to encounter a major storm. And it's like, Jesus, why? What? From my understanding of this whole Christianity thing is like, I obey you, my life is really good and really smooth and easy, right? And he's like, no, that's not how it works. 
That's not how it works. Whoever told you that lied to you. They lied to you because it's obedience that got them caught up in the storm that Jesus was fully aware of. And it's almost as if he wanted his disciples in the storm because his disciples still don't get who they're with. They still don't get it. It says late that night. So he's dismissing the crowd. These experienced fishermen, most of them, they're rowing away. Late that night, the disciples were in their boat in the middle of the lake. That's as far as they made it. Now, remember, this lake is its not big. It's not a big lake. I mean, lengthwise, 13 miles. The widest part, 8 miles. And they're not at the widest part. So they don't have like a huge distance to cover. And they're not going from top to bottom. That would be the 13-mile length. They're not going like that. They're just going across the top part. But the best that they can do is get to the middle. That's the best they could do. And Jesus is watching them the whole time as he's praying to the Father, interceding probably on behalf of them. He's watching them just struggling. They're just struggling. I appreciate this about the disciples. They did not give up. Now, their efforts were futile because they weren't going to make it to the other side. But at least they didn't give up. At least they didn't like stop and then turn around to come back, right? Because that's oftentimes how we respond to trials and difficulties. We just give up. We just give up. These guys are rowing away, just rowing away. And the storm, the wind is, is very strong against them. But they're like, no, he said get in the boat. He said to go to the other side. So by golly, we're going to get to the other side. And they're just rowing and rowing and rowing. And they are just circling and circling for hours, hours. It says they're in the middle of the lake and Jesus was alone on land. He saw that they were in serious trouble, rowing hard and struggling against the wind and waves about three o'clock in the morning. So that's how, I mean, they left like... Let's say, I think the estimated time there is around 9 o'clock or so. could have been later than that. But they were rowing for hours and hours and hours. And it's dark. There's not a lot of light because now there's a storm. And then the waves are back. And they've been in this position before. Except the first time they were there, Jesus was asleep in the boat. Now Jesus isn't in the boat. They don't even know where he's at. What they don't realize is that he's been watching them the whole time. What you and I don't realize is he's still watching. He's still watching. Well, what's he doing? He's still praying. The word's pretty clear about that. Jesus is still making intercession. He is still praying for you and for myself every moment of every single day. He's making intercession on behalf of you and I. He's still on the hilltop, so to speak, watching me and you. And sometimes, hey, sometimes we're smooth sailing across the lake, right? And then sometimes you're just stuck. You're just rowing like crazy, and you're like, I'm not getting anywhere. He knows how to show up in those times. Because it's 3 o'clock in the morning. Jesus came toward them walking on water, walking on water. Crazy, right? Like defying physics, defying natural law. Why? Well, because he made natural law. Can he break? Yeah, of course he can break natural law. He divided fish and bread into enough 
fragments to feed thousands of people with plenty left over. He created natural law. He can break natural law. I've seen people try to invent stuff to where they can walk on water, and I think it's a little bit silly. Um, I like watching some of those videos, and most of them are, well, almost all of them are fails, which makes it all the better to watch. The closest we get is stand-up paddleboarding, surfing, you know, that's water skiing. That's fun. We love that. Jesus is like, I'm just going to go get him. I'm just going to walk right out there. And he's walking on the sea, same wind, same waves. What I love about Mark's account for this is that Jesus' intent was to go right by him, right past him. Like, what? Why? Why? I can imagine as Mark is writing this with the help of Peter, which might be why we don't have Peter's account of him walking on water, because that happens in the story, but in Mark's gospel, he doesn't include that. There's two reasons why, possibly. Number one is Peter doesn't like that story, right? Which I could understand, yeah? The other reason is Peter did technically walk on water for a little bit, but it's longer than what I've ever done. And I applaud him for his faith just to get out of the boat. And maybe he doesn't want the praise for that. We don't know. He and Mark do not include it in the story. What they do include is that Jesus is walking on the water close enough to the boat to where they could kind of recognize him, but then also see like, there's a dude walking on the water and it looks like he's just going to keep on going. And that's what his intent was. Sometimes it feels like he does that in our lives. Like, Lord, struggling. Lord, the storm, I can't take it anymore. He's like, oh yeah, I'm here. I'm here. And you're like, but what, aren't you going to stop? Aren't you going to stop and help us? Don't you want to get in the boat? We like it when you're in the boat, Jesus. And he's like, well, if I have to, does that mean that him just with the plan of walking over to the other side of the shore meant that they probably were going to make it? Yeah. Yeah. They could trust him. They could trust him in the storm. You and I can trust him in our storms. Okay? Whether he is in the boat, maybe sleeping, or walking right next to your boat, whatever that means, we can trust him that when he says, hey, I want you to go from here to there, you're going to get from here to there. I don't know what shape you'll be in when you get there. I don't know how frazzled you're going to be from here to there and what all is going to transpire between the two points. But what I do know is his word is true. His word is true. You guys remember when cartoons were in newspapers? I don't know if they still are. I don't read a newspaper anymore. They had all these like cartoons and there's this family circus. Is that right? That this got this little trail of this kid walking around and it's just like everywhere and you know, just all over the place, just tracking where this kid went and everything. That's in my brain. That's what it, my journeys across the sea look like to me. Cause the Lord's like, I want you to go from here, point A to point B. And I'm like, okay, you got it. And I take off from point A, and then it feels like that thing where it's just like, where are you going? Like, what? No, stop. Just to point B. I'm trying, Jesus. I'm trying. I don't know what's going to happen for you in the midst of your journey of going from point A to point B. But I do know that if the Lord has called you from this place to that place or whatever that is, that he'll get you there. He'll get you there.
We're so glad that you joined us for a look at the Gospel of Mark here on Bread for the Broken. Pastor James will continue to take you verse by verse through this New Testament book about Jesus. There's so much to learn. We pray that you've heard something today that's drawn you deeper into your relationship with the Lord. Do you have questions about what it means to be in a relationship with Jesus? Well, we would love to hear from you and talk more. So go to breadforthebroken.com and click on contact to leave a message for us. We'll get back to you as soon as we can. Or if you're in the Galveston area, we would love to get to know you in person too. Join us on Sundays or Thursdays as we study God's Word together at Calvary Galveston. You'll find service times, more information, and directions at our website. Once again, that's breadforthebroken.com. We're so grateful for our listening audience. And if this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you consider teaming up with us in a financial way? A lot is done to get these teachings out on the radio. And we're so grateful for those who feel led by God to contribute in that way. Simply go to the About tab on our website and you'll find the Donate link. We'd also like to ask you to be praying for us and for your fellow listeners. We can all use God's guidance and continued grace as we navigate this world with Him. Thanks for praying. If you missed any part of today's teaching, you can also find it on our website, breadforthebroken.com. Thanks again for tuning in today to Bread for the Broken.